Happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Is that what you say? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Truly, he is risen. Truly, he is. There's so many like, little like. <laughs> hey, we are back. Uh, this is Paul and Joey. You might recognize another voice. Absolutely. You're going to, as always, follow us on voice. Oh, come on. Oh, we're going to do that. Yeah, introduce him first. Jeez. <laughs> no, you, you got to get that done first, then you got to introduce I'll him. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, you'll wait patiently. That's what you'll do. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, get your little promotion. Come on. Boys Lunch Podcast on Instagram or boyslunch1 at gmail.com. I'm sorry, Joe. Thank you. We have with us our friend and colleague, Luke Swantek. Hey, guys. A scholar. That's me. <laughs> That's what they're always saying about me. And a foremost expert on Polish spirituality. Go. <laughs> Go. <laughs> you know uh, Swantek in Polish? Is Swantek actually Polish? Uh Probably. Uh, <laughs> my brother knows a lot more about this. He's studied things in Poland. Um, and he told me something about how it means little saint. Oh, nice. So I'll take it. He probably made it up. Probably. Let's get him on the phone, actually. <laughs> yeah. Luke, give us a good 45-minute uh, testimony. All right. Well, I hit rock bottom <laughs> in yeah. high school. Do you think your rock bottom was bad? I'll out rock bottom you. Luke is um, a native Jerseyan. Oh, is that the name? Uh, yeah. Sure. Old, old Jersey or new? Uh, the new one from New Jersey grew up on the East coast, total East coast guy loves bagels, love bagels, eat uh, Dunkin', some thin crust pizza, some Dunkin' Donuts going to the shore, but a product of Franciscan university of Steubenville. Absolutely. Has Go taught, Barons. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> has taught at a few different schools, some in Jersey, some in the Chicagoland area. Virginia. And now, uh, I was a DRE in Virginia taught in New Jersey. Caught up in Elgin and then came down here and finishing year seven down here in Bloomington. Which is crazy. It is. Uh, I feel like you and your family have found a nice little community here in Bloomington. You've been settling in nice. Oh my gosh. It is crazy. To, I mean, so many of you, like you guys, know this as home already. This has been becoming home for us. And it's, it's, it's wild to actually feel a sense of home somewhere that is very far from where you grew up calling home. But, uh, but that's that's one of the wonders of Bloomington Normal. I'm sure when you were growing up in New Jersey, you definitely thought you'd end up in the central Illinois, the cornfields of Illinois. It's the hope. It's the dream. That's like the weirdest thing, I think, uh, we were talking about last week, like looking back at your past. I think so many people, especially like with the Catholic mindset, the a mindset of like providence, you look back like, how, how did I end up here? But also like, of course, of course this would happen yeah. <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but anyway, yes, Luke is one of our colleagues. He teaches... Uh, theology here involved within the parish of Epiphany, so we are glad to have him on. How's your Easter, boys? It's good. It's good. Like you said, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, I sound uh, far away because I am throwing away a bag of tea. Now, since we're not broadcasting on YouTube, you can't see the fact that uh, Joey is drinking from a mug that says, You're so foxy. It's not even mine. I found that in a teacher's lounge. So some teacher brought in a mug that says, You're so foxy. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, if that's yours, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, good Easter, though. Yeah, it was great. Did you guys partake in the Triduum at all? At home or even the parish? Heck, yes, we did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have foam fingers that say Triduum on them. I was thinking, do you feel like you got involved more as your kids got older? Or were you guys like able to like just dive right in like the entire time? 
we, well, my wife and I came out of, as products of Franciscan, where the liturgy's done so well, we were big true to one people. And then having kids pretty quickly after college, because we got married the summer after we graduated, we definitely tried to keep it all going. And of course, you run into the difficulties of, can I do this while I hold a child? You know, can I hold a candle in one hand and a baby in the next? <laughs> yeah. Not um, burn my child. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's tough. Um, you definitely have to make some sacrifices and say, maybe I can't do all the things that I would like to do, yeah. but I'll do what I can in the name of my family. That's what stuff is like, uh, at least for me, I know I like, I'll come up with excuses like, ah, I don't know if he's not doing it until 530 at that time. They're just like, my kid's crazy. They're going to be wild. Like, I don't know if I could stand there for an hour and a half, but uh, we were able to do ultra repose on Thursday night. Mm, nice, nice. Um, that's always kind of been my favorite. Uh, Sella wasn't feeling too well, so I was able to take Cisco, our six-year-old, out. And that was just like a – cool, it man. broke me, dude. I was like <laughs> an emotional dad. I don't know if you guys have experienced that. But, I mean, he – by the third one, he had fallen asleep, like, in the car. But, like, there was at least one of them where he was just like, Dad, like, let's go up there and, like, kneel down and pray. And, like, that was such an important moment for me. Like, that was, like, where I had a lot of my conversion growing up was at the altar of repose and, like, that Holy Thursday. So, that like being there and, and seeing that full circle and like looking at my son who's not doing it with me, I was just like, don't cry. Like you're fine. But that, that was a, I don't know, a good spiritual father moment, I guess. Those have been some of my favorite memories, especially here where you have like five churches in town. And so lots of places you can stop and it's not too hard to get to them. Um, I feel like I specifically have some good memories of stopping by the St. Mary's altar propose. Mm. Um, and it was just a nice quiet space and having a kid or two with me and just watching them as they pray and watching them soak it all in um and like figure everything out because it's like yeah it's a teaching moment because normally like mass you're going every sunday and it's like the same thing which is good but like to teach them like these these different liturgies and these different moments of like catholicism i think is like a cool to see them piece things together totally yeah yeah i think we definitely are myself need to do a better job taking those taking advantage of those teaching moments like because it began palm sunday was the beginning you know they started throwing cloths over over the images and it's like well why is that it's like, oh actually this is an avenue into educating the children so oh, don't worry on the way to palm sunday mass we're trying to explain why we're gonna get hey just a heads up we're gonna be getting these palms <laughs> yeah let me tell you the quick these story are swords, those so. are the moments where i'm like i'm not doing enough <laughs> to teach my kids the, like some of these basic yeah. stories yeah because you realize you have to talk about it before otherwise in the middle of mass it's gonna be like I'll tell you later. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah. Trying to whisper the explanation. Did you have any yeah. uh, sword fights, poking? Uh, we have kids that, you know, turn like they're holding a beam of wood and they, they're not looking what direction. So <laughs> I definitely got whacked in the face a few times. Nice. Um, but ours, I also, ours is always the woman in front of us. Like, yeah. He's trying to pray and say, like, oh, just, yeah. like, just unaware, just like whacking her in the back. Yeah. Like, Please don't. <laughs> yes. You have peelers? Were you guys peelers growing up? I was a peeler. Yeah. yeah. You can't just have that one thread hanging off. You have to pull that off. Do you uh, make it into a cross during the mass, or do you do it with the sword? Because you've had that where you take two, <laughs> two palms, and you, you tie the one around the handle, and so you've got almost like a sword created. Cisco saw there. someone doing it and tried to start doing it himself with no skills at all. So you just end up turning it, like tying it into a knot. Like, right, I guess that's something. I made the mistake of making a palm cross for one of my kids, and then I felt like they lined up with requests in the middle of mass. So the entire like, mass. Can you, can you do mine next? And I'm like, quiet. Uh, do it in a St. Andrew X cross, please. <laughs> just picture balloon animals. It's just, can you make me a puppy? 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a good Easter. Oh, it was nice. We got um, having that Friday and Monday off. We got to do some things with the girls, take them to the zoo and Discovery Museum, and then also just you know Sunday was great. We got to see both families, and it wasn't like an exhausting like you're bouncing back and forth. You went to families. Discovery Museum? Absolutely. Is it like back and happening? It's back and happening. Oh yeah. Same exhibit store? Did they change anything over the two years they were closed? They changed a lot on the first floor. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> they just they, moved they did. things. There's Is there still a skeleton riding a like bike? Nah, I think no? they took that out. Yeah, did they it? updated that, okay. that specifically that area. Yeah. <laughs> Where the medical technology is from '64. Yeah. <laughs> now you can pretend to do a telehealth call, like a with your doctor. Oh no. Oh, I guess teaching them real world yeah. skills, yeah. practical. I mean, the person's just on the other side of a like of a mini wall with and a it's just webcam. A, and it's not actually a person it's like a recording no no, no, no like no, you you play so like oh so like one of okay, you can pretend cool. to be doctor and one of you can pretend to be patient so i definitely got involved in a very long play there recently with my four-year-old who was very <laughs> involved and i'm like all right can we move to the next floor she's like no you're still sick and i'm like okay the rash is spreading <laughs> bro i can see it there's nothing we can do <laughs> we had a so we traveled with st louis and sometimes when you're out your parish like it just things seem like a little off, but like we went to a good parish uh, that seemed like, I don't know, joyful. Like you can feel it when it comes in. I know it's not all about the people that are around you or the priests in their homily, but it was a good experience. And the priest was cracking some jokes. Like he was just, I ah, sing, sing, you want another? Zing, zing. Uh, but then he like, he segued nice and he goes, you know, but the real joke is on death. And I was like, yeah. That's like, awesome. <laughs> but anyway, that's good. that was good. You uh, stood up in a I was like, good. <laughs> dude, you nailed it. Quick uh, grass watch. Yes. Still not doing well. <laughs> yeah. Are you diving right in? Are we diving in? You dive right in. I think we've, we're probably like 10 minutes right now. I changed tabs, so. We're at 11, 14, 11, 15, 16. Keep it going. 17. Okay, stop. I had a thought uh, last week-ish of what I wanted to talk about because I had some conversations with some kids and parents. And I was like, that is a good idea. I wanted to talk about confession and mercy, but within the context right now, because uh, coming Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday. So after Easter, within the church calendar, we celebrate Divine Mercy coming from St. Faustina. John Paul II, a fellow Pole, was the one who instituted Divine Mercy Sunday as the Sunday after Easter. Any background on Divine Mercy? I mean, early 20th century. She died in Faustina. She was, I think it was like yeah. 1903. So it was very early 1900s, and then she was only 30-something when she died. Yes, yeah, so so she died in 1930, so yeah, something around there. But so we're talking, you know, a rough time for the world. Yeah, um, in between two world wars there. For sure. Um, and just this amazing Polish nun who receives visions and words of Jesus, sees him, hears him, uh, is told, is advised by her spiritual advisor to write it all down so you can read her diary today. So it's weird when it's like, you want to read someone's diary? <laughs> Heck yes, I do. Yes, yeah. give me everything. Yeah. But there's a couple famous diaries. You know, you've got Anne Frank, you've got St. Faustina. They're good reads. But yeah, uh, but yeah to, to, to see, like, this is what Jesus spoke to her. Um, and, it's, and it's not short, but it's also to see how she received it, what she did with it. But yeah, the overall. Like, what an important uh, yeah. message for like our 20th century and 21st, like you're saying. Right. Like, this is the message of the time, the, the need that the people need to be reminded of the mercy of God. Um, as we see yeah. evil all around us. I think the most yeah. famous thing associated that, well, I guess you've got the Divine Mercy Chaplet, um, but then you've also got the image itself, which is like Christ, um, and you have the kind of the two lights, white and 
red. Mm -hmm. You may have seen it at your local parish or on a holy card, maybe stuffed in a book. Or perhaps at the dwelling place, uh, normal College Avenue, please. No, uh, um, the you've got um, white representing baptism, red representing the Eucharist, the blood of the Eucharist, mm -hmm. and yeah, that kind of famous image of his kind of his his heartbeat kind of shown through these two lights. Normally, at the bottom you see the Jesus I trust in you, yeah. but basically, uh, Christ asked Faustina to establish those three things. I want this this chapel, this prayer to be spread. I want my image of mercy to be spread, but I also want a Sunday dedicated to this. A divine mercy and so john paul ii was finally the one who establishes that but I, I was thinking about it within the context of easter and i was talking to luke yesterday about this i it's always cool sometimes at easter and christmas masses when you'll see older kids of families come like that's probably their only time that they're going to mass that year it's because mom and dad want them to be at mass and it's kind of this probably for them it's a tough experience so they don't really want to be there but it, it's just they've been through a lot they've been on this journey and they always come in like five minutes late you know they always like stumble in they've driven themselves they're kind of disheveled and they like stumble into the pew. But at the parish, I was telling Luke, I saw these two boys had like shoulder length blonde hair. One of them had a Grateful Dead sweatshirt on. Just like looks very out of place, but they they slid into their family pew and their dad was wearing a suit and like all the other kids were dressed nicely that were under his care, you know, yeah. in that moment. But he just like gave them this big hug. Like he, I think he, he was just glad that they were there. And I was, it made me just think of the journey of a lot of these kids because it happened. There was another crew that came in late and another crew and they have just been through so much and this is like their only experience and they're experiencing this Easter joy, but they're like missing out on so much of God and his mercy. And a lot of it's through their own misconception of who God is, who the church is, what religion is, what the sacraments are. And I think when we talk about confession, I wanted to pose it with divine mercy here because confession is one of the greatest gifts that we have. I think for all of us, I think I could speak for you guys, maybe intimidating at first, maybe misunderstood at first, but once properly understood, it's just this beautiful lifeline of grace, mercy, and healing that is just so misunderstood. Any thoughts so far? I mean, I'm totally with you that it was not like I grew up going, I love confession. Mm -hmm. um, definitely maybe a year between confessions growing, growing up, it was a yearly thing where it would be like a line in the confessional. Right. What am I supposed to say next? <laughs> Um, but <laughs> these are all my students. <laughs> uh, yeah, for these are my students. I'm pretty sure I was mean to my brother once. Yeah, it's been a year, by the way. Did I mention that? Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. awkward if yeah. it's been so long. It is, and it's awkward for these kids that have been away from mass for a year coming yeah. in because you feel out of place because you're not connected in. In it, some of it, like the confession thing, is like the question is, why do I have to confess to a priest? Why do I have to go to this? Can I just tell God on my own that I'm sorry? And I think that's the general attitude of a lot of people within America, especially is. Well, I think God is kind of like this. Well, I think God would actually want this instead of this. And we're all creating our own idea of God instead of listening to who he is and what he's told us. And as I watched, watched these kids walk in, I'm sure a lot of them have their ideas about the church. Well, I think the church is this, and I think they've done this wrong. And maybe rightly so, they've done things wrong. But I think God would do this. But Luke, we were talking like, yeah. when you say like, I would, I ask God on my own, mm -hmm. like, well, yeah. Who? First of all, are we actually doing that? Are we actually praying and saying like, dear Jesus, here's what I've done wrong. I'm sorry for these things. So are we cool? Uh, thanks. Like, I don't think most people are. And maybe like, you know, if you're repentant and you're, but you're away from the sacrament. Yeah. You have sorrow for your sins, but what actually gives us that? Re well, not just the feeling of forgiveness, but actual forgiveness. Like, where does it come from? And yeah. And who are we to say, 
I know that God will forgive me if I do this and that. It's, it's backwards for us to assume something that we don't have any, I don't know, real credible reason to believe. It is, it is good to do this on your own. But I think what I was trying to get at was this idea that we are inventing this God and this religion on our own with ignoring what God has actually revealed to us. That's the classic uh, excuse of there's so many religions out there. How, how do I know which one's right? Well, have you looked into it? Like a simple thing you could start to do is to read about these religions. What did they say? Uh, what do we, what did they do? What do we believe? Is it credible? Like using your human reason and looking through this, is this a trustworthy source? Source Is this reliable? Maybe you won't know with scientific certainty, but I think you can start to understand the differences between religions and which ones you would rather trust and which ones have more truth to them or fullness of certainty. Like, I think we're just very lazy and like, well, I don't know which one's right. Or, well, I think I can just pray on my own. Let's start to actually look at what this God revealed to us. And I think, um, Part of the idea of going to confession is, is an acceptance. And I think we've mentioned this before, the reality that we're both body and soul. And I, I go back to this image of both the father and the pew, like hugging his son in the Grateful Dead shirt. Um, but then also, so like when we talked about that painting of um, the prodigal son, right? The idea that that beautiful image is of the son on his knees, like this humbling of oneself and admitting the faults, both in body, but in also like in action, but as well, like internally as a recognition of, of what has happened and the love of the father, right? So when we go to confession, right? When we, when we confess our sins to Christ through the priest, right? This, it is this acknowledgement, not just in like the mind, like, yeah, my bad. I feel bad about that. I probably shouldn't have done that. Jesus, mm-hmm. can we, can we just look past this or forgive me for that? It is this like humble recognition of a need for something. And I think when we confess before the priest there, there's a reason why some people, not all, but a lot of people that come out of confession, they do have that kind of like, I don't know, this almost this transformation, the grace that is real that they feel mm-hmm. because they have taken that additional step. They've recognized it and they, they know that there's something that's happening. Speaking of the prodigal son, it's interesting because the prodigal son didn't say, uh, I know my, my dad will forgive me. Like he actually it's not that he thought his dad was like a bad guy, but he, he realized he didn't deserve it. And there was something, I don't know, there's something very humble about that. I'm not going to take advantage of someone's mercy because I don't deserve it. It has to be given to me in order for me to get it. I can't just do what I want and then expect it. So I think that he comes humbly expecting the least and gets this abundance of mercy. Um, for us to say, well, I know God is merciful, which is true. Therefore, I'm going to just assume that he's forgiven me. That's not, it's almost like you're trying to take advantage of an attribute of God that is not yours to, right. You didn't, like, it has to be given to you. The mercy has to be given. And and how does God say that he gives us this, this mercy and forgiveness? That's where, like you said, Joey, you have to, if you look into what is, you know, what did Jesus actually do when he forgave the paralytic man um, in the gospels that lowered to him for healing? And he says, your sins are forgiven. Everyone's like, what? Like, you know, only God can forgive sins. And and then for him to give that same authority to the apostles to continue to show mercy in that way. I mean, that's that's shocking and revolutionary. That's not how the history of mankind received the forgiveness of God. Mm-hmm. The Jews in the Old Testament didn't just say before confession, so God, are we cool? Mm-hmm. No, they would what bring an animal to the sac- to the temple to be sacrificed. Like it was a very different notion of how to receive this forgiveness. And even in the temple sacrifices, you had to like you had to say what you were doing this for. Like you had to admit your sins and you had to have the help of a priest within the temple to actually sacrifice your animal. It was all done within the context of the church, the priesthood, yourself participating in that. And that's when Jesus institutes this new covenant. We're going to see those elements. So I think there's two parts. There's one part of 
what did he establish? And the other part is, why did he establish it? I think we can get into some of like the fruits of what confession actually is, but God has always asked us to share our lives, the good and bad. The first like four chapters of the Bible, God knows what they did wrong, but what does he do? He asks them to admit it right in yeah. the garden to Adam and Eve. He allows them the opportunity to admit what they've done with Cain and Abel. He allows Cain to admit what he has done. Yeah. He wants us to have the opportunity to acknowledge and own what we've done to understand it. And, and so that we can actually receive healing. I've acknowledged it and I know what I've done. So I can actually like, ask for forgiveness now. Uh, but we see it specifically, like you said, Luke, Jesus forgives sins, but he gives this authority to his apostles. He literally says, like, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. The binding and loosing of all these different things. He gives us this authority. And to be able to do that, they actually have to hear this, right? People have to go to them. It's not them forgiving. It's them forgiving in Christ's name, in the name of God. And that's kind of the crux of what confession is, is that these priests with any sacraments, this is what Christ has established because like what Paul said, we are body and soul. The sacraments help us in so many ways because they are physical uh, moments that, that reveal something invisible. When you're, when you're being washed with baptism, the water is representing your, your soul being cleansed. And that helps us as a human understand that. In confession, when I physically say this out loud, it was established in this way that Christ is acting through that priest. And I'm physically hearing, I absolve you. You are forgiven. You are receiving this grace in my name. And there is something practical about that, but also just, I don't know, dynamic and spiritual about that, right? Yeah. So it's number one, it was established that way. Christ literally did this with the first apostles, and that's what was passed on. He asked us to do that, just like with Mass, when everyone's just like, well, why can't I just do it in the, go, go pray to God and enjoy my Sunday with my family? You can. But Christ also asked us in a certain way to participate in this supper with this community at Mass. For marriage, Christ asked us to do it in a way where we're, we're doing it in this church in the presence of our people. Yes, I, I, there is good in other things and making vows and promises to your, your spouse, but the, the sacraments have always been, like, this seems to be the way that Christ asks us to do. So that comes back to my first point of saying, like, well, I think God wants this. That's awesome what you think, but let's see what God actually asks us to do. Do you guys want to speak of like the practical of like why this is good for us? I mean, the sacraments are as a whole are, are huge. Confession, just, I think that, I think that God responds to like the actual human heart that, I mean, just from like a psychological standpoint, like there is healing involved with admitting what you've done wrong, like mm -hmm. owning up to it um, in a relationship. If you do something wrong, actually stating what you've done, like this is a thing I even try to teach my kids. Like when you're going to apologize to a sibling, let's say for hitting them, don't just say sorry, tell them what you're sorry for. Mm -hmm. What a difference that makes hearing it out loud is it's hard, but it's, it's important for healing. So God knows us, he made us. So he recognizes the need for us to, you know, to state it, to, to, yeah, take, you know, take real, like not ownership, but to say like, yeah, I did this and, and it's my fault. Um, but for this, I'm sorry. And then, you know, that act of contrition where you're not just like, Oh, I got all that off my chest. Like, it's not just a confession. That's, it's nice to get it off your chest, but then to say, now that I've said what's on the table, I need to actually own up and apologize and sincerely desire and intend not to do it again. Mm -hmm. Like, so just like on a human level, that's powerful, but then to actually receive the healing. And, and I sometimes wonder, do people really believe that there's forgiveness in it? Or do we think that it's just a priest? And I think if, if you think it's just a priest talking and telling you you're forgiven, I think you're not likely to keep coming back. Mm -hmm. When we recognize Christ in, in the confessional, Christ actually forgiving us, 
and the priest as this like instrument that's being used to disperse the, the, the mercy of God, then we're more likely to go and receive it. Yeah, I think students all the time get caught up in who the priest is or what they do. And as many times as priests try to tell students and everyone that like their sins are boring, nobody's, I mean, like I've heard a thousand times and the, the, the reality of the, the sacrament itself is like, it's not like they walk away from there remembering anything, you know, it's there. It's not like um, there's some sort of resentment held against them, right? It's the reality. They want people to come to confession. They want to receive the mercy of God. And Luke, I think you hit an important part when you talk about like the reality of the heart. Um, I mean, that's what mercy is. Wait, I'm going to butcher this, right? Is it uh, misericordia is what is mm -hmm. that what mercy is, right? That's a like a compassion of the heart or a, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you've got cordia heart and then you've got um, um, uh, like misericordia. Right, right. So the suffering of the heart, right? Mm -hmm. So what always kept me from coming to confession was this idea that like you had this like damning God that was like sitting there hearing your sins and then like the absolution was him being like, all right, I guess you won't go to hell now. And when I, but when I had a fundamental transformation of how like this, again, back to the um, prodigal son, this mercy of the father, the love of the father, both to see me there, but also like his heart aches, right? He is uniting us together in this moment of like compassion and love. Like that's what that mercy shown is like, I want you to be here so badly out of love for you. And it is so good that you are here that there, that's this mercy is this, his heart longs for us to rest in his, this is an opportunity to find that in a real way. And so like, when I saw it as that way, like now when I confess sins, it's like, I'm returning and he wants that so bad. And there's just this moment of love that takes place. That's what it's like, oh, like that is why I feel like it has such a transformative impact because it's, it's, it's such a good it's experience. I think you, you have to have that relationship for the sacraments to really like have that full effect it takes that that moment of like i've already had a relationship with god so as i've been praying with him all week mass means so much more because i know who he is if i'm actually yes every night saying i'm sorry for these things it makes that confession more impactful because i'm already kind of aware of the things i'm doing and now i'm receiving this unique grace in this way of the sacrament um and i think i loved your comment yesterday which you said today this i think our kids nowadays assume that god will forgive them because they've always been forgiven for everything and like that they're not shocked by the prodigal son but that was yeah. shocking when jesus told that story it is really it's strange because i feel like the message of divine mercy came at a time where people were more thought or mindful of the judgment of god so mm -hmm. it's like don't get me wrong there is judgment <coughs> but we need to not be afraid to return to to the lord and receive his mercy like god wants to give us mercy but what's the flip side is if mercy is something you're so accustomed to you don't even value it mm -hmm. if you don't see it as something well like why wouldn't i yeah why wouldn't i I mean, and this is something you see um, in the culture. You can sometimes see it in the school. Like, well, why wouldn't someone give me a free pass for being late to class or for wearing a hoodie? Because, of course, I'm just going to take it off and say I'm sorry. Yeah. What do you mean you're going to give me the attention? Uh, you know, aren't you going to forgive me for this? Right. Um, well, well, hold on. Like, there's justice and there's mercy. It's like getting pulled over by a cop and being like, well, wait, you're not going to give me a warning? What's wrong with you? Right. Why are you so mean? Like, no. <laughs> It's not how that works. Um, you can't demand mercy. So it can't be taken advantage of. It should always be valued and appreciated when it's given. It, which is what an underappreciated sacrament it is. Um, I think I think all of us can speak of just the, the wonders it's done in our life to become better men, uh, husbands, fathers, teachers, to, to go frequently. Look, bottom line, as far as I, I feel like I've learned so much 
in my own life about forgiveness and about mercy through coming to to accept the sacrament of confession as as Jesus and the church has given it to us. Um, I mean, even though it took me so long to get to that place, like it was probably mid college before confession became a regular part of my life. But now I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. And I and I don't want anyone to think that they can you know, we shouldn't try to come up with our own way to get God's forgiveness. If anything, ask the Lord, uh, how do you want me to be forgiven? And, and the answer he's given us through scripture and through the church is in the sacrament. Right. Yeah. And I think it becomes second nature. Like I don't even think of it as a me confessing to a human. Like I, I'm aware of the reality of the sacrament. I know that I am here confessing to God, receiving the mercy of God and the love of God and, and this beautiful moment and exchange and, yeah, I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that we would treat another relationship like that where I would assume forgiveness or I'll just, I don't need to make an act both of verbal saying of what, that's what, that's what saying stuff is, it's verbal, right? Uh. <laughs> and uh, and like a, an act itself of reparation of bringing myself before them, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's such a beautiful sacrament that should be taken advantage of. Well said, guys, well said. Hey, can I say, tell you guys something? Uh, you know my brother's a priest. I told you, I mentioned that lately. Father's one time? Three times a day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for um, the listeners out there. Okay, so my older brother, uh, he's a priest in New Jersey. You know, he's at the Aquinas Institute in uh, Princeton University. But um, Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Big Princeton fans. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the weirdest moments of my life was one time I was with my brother uh, after his ordination, you know, maybe a year later, and I realized I needed to go to confession. And it dawned on me, like, I could wait till next Saturday or I could just be like, hey, bro, can you hear my confession? And it was a weird thing because this is someone I know so much better than any priest. But also it was a it was a beautiful and wonderful thing to be able to speak to the Lord and receive his forgiveness through this person that I grew up with that used to beat me up and uh, <laughs> you know, not let me hang out with him and his friends. But to see how God would use him in that way. And it was such a it was such an eye opening experience. And to see Christ present in that sacrament through my brother. I just thought that was a really cool experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There is so much like vulnerability and the humility and growth, I think, through that human interaction. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, really quick, where's like the weirdest place that you've like had a confession? Like most interesting? Because you can do confessions outside of the church right. building itself. Yeah. Have you guys had any? I mean, that one was like walking around the block in my hometown. Uh, it's just, <laughs> that's yeah. nice. I think, uh, Holy Trinity in downtown Bloomington, their confessional was being like redone. And so we just, it was like, you just want to go for a walk? I was like, sure. And then also, uh, I remember, I think hiking once at, out at the mountain, nice. St. Mary's. Like, we're That's at, so John Paul II. <laughs> yeah, like, That's awesome. One of those things where it was just like, um, I don't know if we had an outdoor mass or whatever, but it was just kind of like hiking up to the spot. I was at Penn Station. I was uh, oh, going nice. back to uh, Jersey. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, fun. Someone Did claimed to be a priest. No, I was with a priest <laughs> okay. at the time. Yeah, you like, knew for sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm definitely a priest. It's like a Halloween costume. Tell me your sins, my son. <laughs> what no priest <sighs> Anyway, any shout outs? Uh, well, to my wife and kids, to my brother, Father Zach. What, what? Yep. And, uh, and uh, to the Ryans, to, yep. to Matthew and Maria Ryan and their family. Yes, continue prayer for them. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all the priests out there. I think this is, they've all kind of said that this is one of their favorite parts of the ministry is to offer confession uh, and to be there for people. So shout out to all those that make themselves available and help us to receive the sacrament. Amen. And to Luke. 
interlude. Oh, or the thanks. kingdom. The kingdom. Or the kingdom.